You are the salt of the earth. So the title of this podcast comes from Matthew 5.13. And as you heard from the first episode, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, how shall its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and be trampled underfoot by men. Today I want to focus on the second half of that verse, which is the title of this episode, when salt loses its taste. Now losing our saltness means that we lose our identity completely. The whole point of salt is its taste. And if that flavor goes away, then it's just pebbles, useless, lifeless, and it just offers nothing good. And there's a group of people who have completely lost that flavor. I'm of course talking about liberal Christians. Brace yourself, it's going to be that kind of episode. Now liberal Christians will take the truth of our faith and twist it either in a very explicit and obvious way or in a very subtle way that may you may not detect right away, but trust me, it's there. They do this in order to serve the desires that we people have for the search of the truth, and they put it in a very palatable way, you know, something that's easy to swallow, and it's so they can fit the accepted standards that human beings have, especially the way we live in a secular world that's driven by secular ideology. Now, the Bible calls these desires, desires of the flesh and blood. So, for example, in the first letter of the Corinthians, chapter 15, St. Paul says that the flesh and blood is not able to inherit the kingdom of God, right? And even Jesus in the Gospel of John in chapter 6, he says that the spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. Now, in the Bible, the word flesh doesn't always mean the literal flesh of a human body, right? Since, well, Jesus just spent an entire chapter telling us to eat his flesh, which we as Catholics do when we receive the Eucharist. But flesh is a term often used to describe, you know, earthly, humanly ways of thinking. And when we hear the Bible talking about, like, the sins of the flesh, in many places, that's not just sins we commit with our body. Those are also sins like envy, greed, pride, other things that don't necessarily require the flesh to perform. So the broken and distorted ways of thinking about life, like the, oh, this is just the way I should live, you know? It's just be nice to people and be kind. Uh, Just uh, be a nice person and you'll have nice things in life, like the karma. You do good things and good things happen to you. Just don't hurt anybody, as long as you're not hurting anybody, right? As long as it's two consenting adults, that's all that matters. That's that broken way of flesh thinking. Instead of thinking about what God desires from us, what he wants us to be able to do, and what his ultimate plan is for us. Now, I've especially seen this kind of thinking in mainstream Protestant theology, but trust me, this has started to creep up in Catholicism a lot lately. And it's the temptation to want to make faith look better in the eyes of others, you know, by stripping away what people might think is ridiculous or too much out there, right? One example is, I heard this homily a long time ago. I saw it on the internet somewhere, and it was a priest. Even though I've heard similar things by Protestant pastors, uh, either in written form or in a sermon, but I actually heard a priest uh, have this homily, and I was perplexed. What he did is, he was... He read the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 by Jesus, and which, by the way, it's written in all four Gospels, right? And the way he explained it was, oh, it was a miracle of sharing. 
The real miracle is that Jesus inspired everyone to take what they have and just share it with others. This is the type of garbage that's filled with liberal Christian theology. It completely takes away the awesome, like, the awesomeness of the miracle. So, look, everyone knows you should help others out, right? It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. The Bible is full of writings telling us that we should share our goods with those who are in need. And everybody knew this from beginning of time, that we should help each other out, right? You help me, I help you. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. That's something people figured out a long time ago. It didn't take Jesus for us to figure that out. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is that Jesus will feed all of us with miraculous food, the bread of life, right? His body and his blood. And this food has no end, and it gives us eternal life, where our human food is limited, right? That's why the 5,000 didn't have much to eat except for a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. This miracle also shows us that Jesus has power over nature because he's God. It has nothing to do with sharing. And look, this is just one example of many. And you'll hear Christians say like, oh, the resurrection, the virgin birth. These are just stories to tell people that that it literally happened, right? Uh, they, they bring in this version of Christianity that makes it seem like Christianity is just about being nice to people and, you know, quoting the Bible, right? That's it. This version of Christianity is nearly identical to atheism. You can hardly tell them apart. And believe me, there are atheists out there who are nice and who also know how to quote the Bible. Heck, some can even quote the Bible better than many Christians. But atheism is another topic for another day. This theology is so empty. There's nothing fulfilling about it. I highly recommend you looking into the beliefs of the Unitarian Church. They're sometimes called Unitarian Universalisms. Look, just in short, um, what I can tell you about them is they're united in that they don't have anything in common. They're united in nothing. I know this is weird to say, but they don't have a creed. Uh, they just basically leave it up to you to figure out everything from morality to theology. It's just up to you. And I'm sure you can see why that would be a huge problem, right? But you can also see why that might be attractive to some people. I mean, the idea that I can figure out my life on my own terms and decide what's best for me sounds great, right? And it's full of just empty symbolism, right? And man, liberal Christians love symbolism. Not in the same way Christianity, true Christianity, has some symbolic meaning to things for example marriage being a symbol of two becoming one flesh well it's because that's both a symbol and something literal right it has such a deep meaning behind it two becoming one flesh but the liberal idea of symbolism is so shallow and cliche and and it's so cringy sometimes and awkward it has no meaning i mean i just talked about the feeding of the five thousand being a symbol of sharing like okay that's so bland if god God, the all-knowing, all-powerful, right? Omniscient, omnipotent, I can hardly say that word. All-powerful, humbled himself and became man with limited, you know, abilities. And he did that just so that he could perform a miracle and teach us to, oh, we need to share things and be nice to people. He totally wasted his time on earth, honestly. Now, I once read an article a while ago and I had to kind of go back and find it. And uh, this article was titled oh here it is the title of the article is reverend you say the virgin birth is a bizarre claim you know where this is going right this is somebody from the new york times uh he this uh, this person he interviewed uh the president of union theological seminary which honestly it's not even a christian seminary at this point but he was interviewing a 
the president of the Union uh, Theological Seminary is a female pastor, and her name is Serene Jones. So the interviewer, the very first question, he asked her about the resurrection. And here was her response. Again, I urge you to look this up so you know that I'm not making this up. When you look in the Gospels, the stories are all over the place. There is no resurrection story in Mark. It's just an empty tomb. Those who claim know whether or not it happened are kidding themselves. But that empty tomb symbolizes that the ultimate love in our lives cannot be crucified and killed. Uh, what? Seriously? No, I, I encourage you all to look, to look up this article. It's full of these meaningless quotes and they're so anti-Christian and just so cringy. And this is the kind of theology that you would make a Hallmark movie out of, right? It just sounds great and gives you the warm, fuzzy feelings, but it's meaningless. This kind of meaningless theology is uh, full of what's called a, there's a word, deepity. Uh, a, a philosopher named Daniel Dennett kind of coined this term, deepity. And the word just means a statement that sounds really profound. But the more you think about it, it becomes kind of like, true in a trivial way or it's just nonsense at all that's the type of things that high school girls find deep like that saying realize 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 whoa real eyes realize real lies my my brain just exploded it's it's that kind of stuff or like the phrase and i'm sure i'm gonna get a ton of women who are gonna kill me for this including my wife but you'll walk into a house and you'll see a sign that says live Laugh, love. Hmm, living, laughing, loving. That's what life is all about, right? Live, laugh, love. The holy trinity of L words. These are just feel-good nonsense. They don't even mean anything. Liberal Christianity loves these types of sayings. They're plastered everywhere on social media pages. They'll take like a picture of a husband and a wife. They're sitting on a swing looking onto the ocean or something. And they'll have a caption like, I've read this before. The real measure of life is someone who has faith in faith. How can you have faith in faith? I don't get it. Like, the real measure of life is someone who has faith in faith. I have faith in faith. I love faith. Faith is love. Love is hope. Love is love. I love love. I love to have faith and hope in love and faith. Like, do you see how absurd these sound? Faithful Christians fall for this stuff all the time. They're always sharing those pictures. I'm not saying you're a bad person if you're a devout Christian, devout Catholic, and you share those types of stuff. But, man, they're just so meaningless when you just read them and think about them. What liberal theology will try to do is get us to focus on these meaningless, abstract ideas and not the person of God. Not Jesus Christ. He's nearly non-existent in their theology. They'll take what he says, like, love your neighbor. And they'll just run with it. They'll apply it to everything in their life, right? That saying. But they'll forget what he did. They'll hang on to the things that he says, but not the things that he did. Which is, he became incarnate, right? He endured suffering of the worst kind, took up a cross to be crucified on it, and die painful death and rose himself on the dead for our sins for your sins for everybody's sins so that he can earn our salvation they'll put that to the side and just hang on to like the nice things that he said 
okay, going back to this article, and this is the only thing I'm going to talk about in this article because uh, I can't read this whole thing. You, you guys should go read it. Uh, just a few questions below that, the, uh, you know, sticking with the resurrection claim. Uh, this Protestant lady, who's the president, uh, she says, What if tomorrow somebody found the body of Jesus in the tomb? Would that mean that Christianity is a lie? No. Faith is stronger than that. <sighs> My goodness. St. Paul makes this very clear. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, verse 15. Uh, I'm sorry. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. He says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So yes, president of Christian University lady, it does mean Christianity would be a lie, and your faith would be useless. This is the kind of empty preaching that liberal Christians will say all the time, right? I have faith in God, and that's all that matters. As long as I have faith, I pray, and I'm a good person. That's what the Bible is all about. And the irony of this is that they don't use the Bible in conversation with Christians. They hate to do that, even though they claim to be Christians. Just a couple of weeks ago, I had a conversation with somebody, and they claimed they were Christian right off the bat. They were defending abortion, right? They believe that the woman has a right to choose abortion, and if she chooses to, and that, you know, if she wants to have, abort that child, then that's her thing, right? And she believes that doesn't make them less of a Christian for believing that women should have a choice. Because at the end of the day, not everybody believes or agrees the same thing, and one shouldn't be pushing anything down anybody else's throat. You can see why this is totally absurd, right? I mean, when I, when I confronted this person, who claimed to be a Christian, by the way, and I cited Bible verse after Bible verse, that there is no such thing as your way and my way, your truth and my truth. What you believe and what I believe, there's no such thing. There is just the truth. One truth. Mainly, it's that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for our sins. And this person was like taken aback. They were offended that I would use scripture in a moral discussion. I mean, they even went as far as to say that they're not interested in bringing up the scripture into the discussion. How could you bring up the scripture? I'm not talking about the Bible. Why are you bringing the Bible into this? I mean, I thought that this person was a Christian, right? I mean, get this, a Christian who doesn't believe that the Bible should be used in a Christian discussion about morality? This is the type of thinking that liberal Christianity breeds. It's, and I said this earlier, it's nearly identical to atheism. I mean, eventually this person got mad and just said, well, if not using the Bible doesn't make me a Christian, well, I guess I'm not a Christian. Right, exactly. If you refuse to use even the, just the staple of Christianity, which is the written word of God itself, then yes, you are absolutely not a Christian. And I'm glad I pressed this person on this. And look, the next time you come across a liberal Christian who talks like this, just ask them, why bother be a Christian at all? Why not just become a morally good atheist, just an upstanding citizen? Why do we even need Jesus? Just ask them, why do they need Jesus? Did we really need Jesus to show us that we should love our neighbor, be good to people, and share with others? That's something a kindergarten teacher teaches her students. We didn't need Jesus to come down and be Captain Obvious. You can just be a cheesy, slogan-loving atheist without the title Christian, right? Without liberal Christianity. You could just live your life following these quotes that you find on inspirational posters and not call yourself a Christian. A while ago, I was listening to Trent Horn. He's one of my favorite Catholic theologians and apologists. I urge you and I encourage you to check out his work. I've, I have some of his books. I listen to his podcast often. 
He has great debates you can find on YouTube with atheists. But I heard him one time say this, and it really, really stuck with me. He said, you see people who have a problem with Christianity, but they don't want to become atheists, so they stop at liberal Christianity as a waypoint. And then they're off to atheism in a few years because it's ultimately meaningless. It's atheistic, secular humanism dressed up in religious language to try to make a person feel better. I couldn't have said it better myself. Look, in Revelations chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, Jesus says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. It's simple. Either be a full-on atheist and abandon Christianity altogether, or be fully committed to Christianity and all of its teachings, not just some, not just the ones that make you feel good. At least if you're like a coherent atheist, I can give you the respect because at least you're being true to yourself and you're attempting to get to the truth and trying to make sense of life. And even though I might not agree with you, I can at least have an honest conversation with you. When you're a liberal Christian, it doesn't matter if your theology doesn't make sense. As long as it makes you feel good, I'm going to get a little bit controversial. I know, I know. Me? Controversial? I know, you're shocked. But in our Chaldean community, liberal Christianity has become a way to sort of hide behind the word Christian so that you don't get ridiculed by the community. It's kind of borderline cowardly, right? Since Catholicism is a central identity of being Chaldean, they don't want to abandon being a Christian altogether, so they just hide behind liberal Christianity, right? And they claim to be Christians so that they don't lose the support of the community. So they fully embrace liberal Christianity instead of just leaving the faith altogether. And we've seen this being used uh, you know, as a political tool as well. Now, without going into too much detail or dropping any names or anything like this, and I'm sure some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about, you'll see Chaldeans who openly claim that they're Christians and that they read the Bible and that they preach. And they do this in order to push some secular policies and ideas in our community. Knowing full well that if they claim to have a problem with Christianity whatsoever, or even say that they're non-believers or they're atheists, the faithful will just stop supporting their cause altogether. And again, without going into any detail or dropping any names, and again, I'm sure some of you will know what I'm, what I'm talking about, some of these liberal Christians in our community are even teaching our children and youth in the church. They'll go into church and teach about Christianity and the Bible and, you know, all sorts of Christian teachings and then turn around on social media and preach this empty form of Christian, liberal Christianity. And they'll even sometimes flat out, I've seen this, they'll flat out admit that they are fully supporting of abortion, feminism, or the LGBT movement. And I've talked to priests in some of these parishes where the teachers or where those people go teach to. And for the most part, the priests dealt with it, you know, kind of quietly and didn't make a big scene about it. And that's great. But there are still some out there who are still teaching our children. There are still some out there who are preaching this stuff all over social media. And they have kind of a high place in our, in our community, all under the guise of Christianity. And some of our children are looking up to them and they're seeing all these things and they're hearing about them. And they believe that this is what Christianity is all about. We as a community need to be able to spot those false ideologies, call them out, and correct them 
so that our children, the future of our Chaldean community, the future of Christianity, the future of Catholicism, can get back on the right path. We cannot let this go on much longer because eventually we will lose our children. They will just abandon the faith altogether because this form of theology is meaningless. Now, I will close with Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20th, where Jesus says to his disciples, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree can bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know them by their fruit. Jesus is very clear when he says that bad trees will be cut down and thrown into the fire. There is no way to sugarcoat it. Be a good tree. Be the salt of the earth. Thank you to everyone who tuned in, and especially thank you for showing your support. Please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. My name is Anas Kesto, and I am your host, and I am a salty Catholic. Are you?